So, Alan, um, who's the most famous person you've ever met? I'm going to give you number two, Rob. <laughs> Why? That's personal. <laughs> I'm not sure if you remember, but uh, we actually met number two together on a trip to Chicago a long time ago where we ran into a gentleman who was working at the uh, Children's Science Museum. <laughs> I do remember. And... I immediately said, hey, aren't you the principal from Welcome Freshman on Nickelodeon? And he told me that was a long time ago. But it wasn't a long time ago. How about you, Rob? You got a new number one now, right? I don't know if I can tell the guy from uh, Nickelodeon show that no one's ever heard of. Um, probably Stan Lee. It was in 2001, so it was right before Spider-Man, or right around when Spider-Man was coming out, and like, so it was before the whole big Marvel thing. It was at a con, so a convention, so it almost doesn't count, but I got in an elevator, and I look over, and I did a real double take, because then I went, like an idiot, without thinking, I just went, you're Stan Lee. Mm. Yeah, rookie. Rookie mistake. Mm. But he immediately went from, like, old man to, how you doing, true believer? Like... <laughs> And uh, was super nice for the uh, 45 seconds we rode in the elevator together. Um, great story. Hey, quick correction. He was the vice principal on that show. So. <laughs> it's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance. Adventure. Mystery. Anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello and welcome back to the show that usually ends. It's another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. Tonight, as is the case on all occasions, I have with me here my good friend, my road trip travel buddy, Rob. Rob, how are you? I am good, Alan. Um, feeling good. Uh, it's uh, it's cooling down a little bit in this part of the country, and uh, well, the nights are are nice. I'm ready to party. Let's do this. Right, hot August nights, <laughs> velvet gloves, and spit. Somewhere in there, right? Just one of Somewhere those. Somewhere in there. Okay. Well, tonight we have a romantic story from the pages of Argosy All Story Weekly from the April 16th edition of 1921. And our story is entitled Brass Buttons by Rebecca T. Hodges. I, I learned nothing about Rebecca T. Hodges. It is somewhat difficult to find information on the Argosy uh, writers if they were not famous in uh, their circumstances. They do not have the same level of detailed uh, bibliographies. Sci like in the sci-fi realm, even if you wrote like one weird tale story, you're listed sure. somewhere in, That's in right. some kind of annals of science fiction history. Well, it's that time. Go ahead and grab a drink, curl up in your favorite chair, while we read you this week's tale. 
pretty, charming Ruth Chester, blonde of hair and blue of eyes, drove her snappy roadster slowly up alongside the row of smart little shops on the exclusive circle. Ah, finally a story about white privilege, Alan. Such a diversion from our usual romantic tales. Just a lot of white people, that's all I'm saying. Yep. Each parking spot was already filled by the electrics or sedans or limousines whose owners were inside the laundry or hat or corset bowers where she longed to be. Ooh, I smell a shopping montage. Quick, cue up the greatest pop hit of 1921. Okay, hold on. Let me grab wait, wait, I looked it up. It's called I'm a Jazz Vampire. <laughs> oh, oh, please tell me more. Yeah. When I played The Masquerade, I don't remember that being one of the clans, but... Uh... <laughs> no, the Jazz Vampires? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, they were, they were definitely... What was their special power? Uh, their special power was the ability to jitterbug their way um, mm -hmm. through any field of zombies. Okay. Ruth puckered her pretty brows for a moment in perplexity. And then, with her engine still running, opened the car door and stepped out. Tuck and roll, Ruth. Tuck and roll. Well, no, it's just, I mean, I, I think it stopped. Oh, oh, geez, for a second there. Engine's still running. Oh, imagine the worst. Sure. I'll only be just a minute, she thought, giving a quick glance about. I'll take the chance. And she dashed across the pavement into the hat store. Huh. I didn't know they had lids back in the 20s. Oh, yeah, snapbacks. I hope she picks out a nice fitted San Jose Sharks cap. That's what I think she'd look good in. <laughs> right. For your next uh, Easter bonnet. <laughs> it has a shark eating a hockey stick. Who wouldn't love it? But one minute to Ruth could mean one or as easily 15. So when she came out later, bearing in her hand a big flowered bandbox tied with the lavender and gold ribbon, she gave a little gasp of dismay, for on her windshield was pasted a bit of paper. It was a note from the police. Hmm. We totally get it. That hat's going to look great on you. XOXO the fuzz. Wow, that's quite supportive. I know. They really Oh, uh, right. she's a rich white woman, I guess. Yeah. And, and Alan, it's a hell of a hat. She knew what it meant, the summons to appear in police court the following morning. And by the machine on a restively plunging horse sat a traffic officer. Gloom settled on her shoulders as she noted the stony-jawed face. It was Officer Peter Cushing. I think it could equally as well be Officer Christopher Lee. You know, it's debatable as to uh, which is a better reference, really. You know, oh my god, I didn't... What? Are, are you looking up jazz vampires? No. They were the Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen <laughs> of the 60s and 70s. You're totally right. Good movies and horrible movies. Mm, yeah. You know, dramas and weird sci-fi. Classic English actors make anything that they were in just a little, a little better. Yeah. Just a little better. You know better than that, young lady. The man's voice was as uncompromising as his features. You ain't got no business leaving your car out in the middle of the street with the engine going full tilt. 
You know, on the one hand, he's got a real point. On the other, check out that hat. The Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> oh, it's the new Utah Jazz logo. <laughs> Wait, what was <laughs> Oh, dear me. Ruth's eyes rolled imploringly. Oh, officer, I was only there just one minute, and there wasn't any place to park. Can't help that. He retorted shortly. Orders is orders. I've been instructed to give as many tickets to pretty ladies as possible in the hopes that one will fall madly in love with me through some strange but entertaining twists of fate, and I'm going to follow those orders to the letter, ma'am. Oh, end of the month quota, huh? <laughs> I know how it works. You gotta get a bunch of pretty ladies to fall in love with you just in time to report your numbers. We're going to get after you folks. The lieutenant says this sliding by all the rules has got to stop. That's all. And he handed her the summons. But I can't go to court tomorrow, Ruth expostulated. I have a suffragette party meeting to go to. Oh, who am I kidding? There's a sale at Penny's. Mm, gimbals. <laughs> you can't. He laughed sarcastically. Well, you'd better if you know what's good for you. But I can't, she repeated. I'm going down to the races. I'm going to be dragging against the T-Birds, and it's for pinks and everything. Well, you show up just the same, he warned, writing down in his notebook the number of her car. Seventeen. Right, in longhand, huh? It's a, it's a long number. There's so many cars nowadays. Name and address, he ordered curtly. Ruth Chester, she said, her cheeks flaming. Forty forty Arlington. You be on hand, the officer admonished, moving on down the street. The amigo thing, she cried hotly to herself, of all the fool stunts. I hope he tries to cross the Snake River Canyon in a rocket cycle next. Most foolish of all stunts. Yep, yeah, that's pretty, I guess foolish. Yes. Pretty foolish. She closed the door. And placing the bandbox on the seat beside her, turned the car towards home. I wish I'd never bought the hat, but I'm going to Kentucky just the same, she resolved. Mama's got a hot pick in the fourth race. Seabiscuit's illegitimate cousin, Swamp Cookie. They don't talk about that side of the family much. No? Nope. Doesn't get his stud fees these days. <laughs> no, nobody wants Swamp Cookie. No, it's nobody wants Swamp Cookie. <laughs> As the corner cop came into view at the next street, Ruth realized it was the smiling, genial Foley. No, I ain't stop. Nope. How many notes? Oh, wait, do I have to pay for it now? Back up. I think you were off pitch just enough to save us. <laughs> that's That's my gift. <laughs> Blarney was his middle name, and like all true sons of Aaron, a pretty face and the lure of feminine wiles were often his delight and undoing. An Irish cop? Oh, truly, this is a writer of rare imagination. Hey, the other guy wasn't Irish, I guess. Maybe. I guess I screwed it up if he was. <laughs> so with renewed courage, Ruth drew her car up beside him. Oh, Foley, she exclaimed, holding out the summons. See, just see what's here. 
Well, taint that a devil of a mess, Miss Chester, he lamented ruefully. What do you let him do it for? You're right. Next time I'll put a cap in his ass. That'll show him. Oh, I couldn't help it, Foley, she confessed. You see, I just ran into Madame's to get my new hat, and there wasn't one single place to park. And even, <laughs> and they haven't invented handicap parking for me to just park in anyways. <laughs> Take uh, the parallel park in two handicap spaces, I'm sure. I don't want anybody to run into my car with a cart. <laughs> and I hurried in and I left my engine running. If you know what I mean, vroom, vroom. I don't think I do. <laughs> Unless it was a really good hat. Engine running. She was, uh... And when I came out, that beastly man didn't stuck that thing on my windshield and said I have to go to police court tomorrow at nine, and I can't. That's the time we tape Let's Make a Deal, and I've already packed the pockets of my little Bo Peep costume with hard-boiled eggs and paper clips. She paused, breathlessly. But I guess you'll have to, Foley scratched his head reflectively. There's nothing else for it. Unless, of course, you'd like to play ball, eh? Maybe a couple of Lincolns would seal the deal? But I can't, she insisted. Tomorrow at nine, I'll be on the train for Louisville. I'm going to the races, you see. Okay, look, I'm running in the sixth race under the name Penny from Heaven with 13 to 1 odds. I think I got a real chance here. <laughs> she got a LASIK up. <laughs> she flashed a plaintive glance at him and shrugged her shoulders while the dimple in her cheek deepened. Why don't you look at him that way? Foley questioned bluntly as the traffic swung past in endless streams at his beckoning hand. Any man would take the shirt off his back, he assured her boldly, for a smile like that. Except me, of course. Oh no, nothing could ever take me away from my sweet petunia. That's me Irish setter. Oh, I'm, I'm so alone. Okay, this is about me, Foley. Let's try to keep this on track. <laughs> I did, Foley. Ruth affirmed laughingly, but it didn't do any good. Foley grinned. His coffee probably didn't agree with him this morning. Or maybe his heterosexuality didn't. <laughs> One of the two, huh. he decided. Anyhow, he continued thoughtfully, he spilled the beans. He's got your name and you'll have to let the races go and show up. Oh, this is getting worse. Yeah, Alan, uh, it's all right. The accent's the accent. But uh, Ruth Chester, Ruth Chester sounds so close to almost being dirty. Really? Uh, you yeah. think so? Did you ever get a Ruth Chester, Alan? Or could you never hang from that trapeze quite the right way? Uh, it's all about angles. You know, it's like how some people can't float in water, Ron. <laughs> I get it. There's just one thing you could do. Go on down now to the police station and see Captain Corrigan yourself. He's Irish, like me, and perhaps you can fix it up with him. Lieutenant Lawton's too hard-boiled, but Corrigan's all right. You're a sweet angel, Ruth announced. See, he's been directing traffic this whole yeah. time. Yeah, I don't know where she's parked. I don't know if she's screaming across the lane of traffic <laughs> or what. <laughs> Oh, you're a sweet angel. <laughs> I'm going to Kentucky, 
You'll see, she promised with a friendly wave to the unbiased exponent of justice. Aha, he's a dirty neutral. No wonder he's stuck on traffic duty. Pick a side, Mr. Blarney. Miss Chester, in her dainty shoes and silken gown, walked into the dingy, dirty corridor of the police station, between rows of heavy-footed detectives who eyed her appraisingly. Between the cat calls and loud sax music, she could barely hear herself think. Well, maybe they... They could be uh, phrenologists. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look at the lump on that fourth quadrant. Hmm. Heading toward the most imposing figure behind the fence-like enclosure, Ruth smiled designly and said, I'd like to see Captain Corrigan, please. Bathroom's down the hall to the left. Oh, you're a lady. You'll want to see Mrs. Mulligan on the right. We name our bathrooms here. It's fun. Which the one with the family changing station? Oh, that's old lady Wonkerton. You know, the creativity kind of ran out when you got to the third bathroom, huh? Oh, it's not a bathroom. It's just a homeless lady. <laughs> you ain't here, miss, the burly giant assured her. But Lieutenant Lawden's in there. Perhaps he'd do. And he waved a pudgy hand in the direction of the inner office. Still clutching the offending summons, with a demure lift of her violet eyes, Ruth advanced beyond the door. Ruth Chester stars in Beyond the Police Door. Come on, tell me that's not a 70s porn film. This does not sound dirty at all to me, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting at. Ruth Chester, I don't know, Chester? It's got chest in it, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> So does Chester Drawers, the puppet that was on the kids' show that I watched when I was six. Uh, They had a friend named Android. Oh, no. Mm Mm-hmm. Classic TV. As she stepped within his line of vision, a man, young and firm of lip, straight of limb and broad of shoulder, rose quickly to his feet. Take this chair, madam. Please. I, uh, always start with a joke. They call me the funny one around here. So, anywho, what brings you in? He doesn't reek of authority, does he? I, uh, guess not. (laughs) I guess not. I think he's been typecast a little bit. (laughs) He motioned toward the one by the side of his desk, and closing the door on the interested listeners in the otter office, seated himself before her. And now, what can I do for you? he asked, leaning forward and clasping his fingers over his knees. And showing a surprising amount of cleavage for a cop. (laughs) Well, hey, he's just poured into that uniform, and he can't (laughs) help it if a little spills over. Uh, Hey, hey. I just knew I'd come to the right place, Ruth sighed thankfully. None of those men out there would have the least sense, I'm sure. It's just this, Captain. And she thrust the paper into his hands. Save the clock tower. Miss, are you sure you meant to give me this flyer? Okay. I guess that's back to the future. Yes. All right. <laughs> you guess? You know what? I don't like back to the future. <gasps> this podcast is over. We will be burned off of iTunes, Alan. Hmm. I see. Lawton smiled. What did you do? 
Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I could not park my car, and I only ran in a minute to get my new hat. When I came out, that horrid traffic officer told me I'd have to appear in court tomorrow morning. And he was really mean about it, too. See, Alan, you give a woman the right to vote, and suddenly she's back talking to cops and trying to flout the law. I'm going to go report this story to my incel subreddit right now. Okay, <laughs> you do that. You do that. Hold on. So Let me just get a moderator so, to so delete your account. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> not rude, I hope. Lawton cut in quickly. Well, not in public. Uh, speaking of that, I have an interrogation to go to. Could you please hand me that phone book? No, not the... No, not the white pages. I'm gonna <laughs> need the yellow pages for this one. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't suppose so. Just cross and stern and dreadfully persistent. This summer, David Cross and Daniel Stern are dreadfully persistent. <laughs> and did you shut off your engine? He asked. No. Oh, my dear young lady, that's where the trouble comes, Lawton explained reprovingly. Finally, an interesting opportunity to witness early 20th century mansplaining directly. Well, if the fossil record on it is really hard to interpret, it's, it's really great when we get access to the primary source on this. You get to see the real beginnings of it here. Let's watch. You are far too clever a woman not to realize, I'm sure, the cars must be handled cautiously. We've had too many accidents lately. You knew the rule. It's a trick question, Ruth. Ask for a lawyer. Yes, she hesitated, and then with a quick smile added, but I was only there a second. This is how you lose cases, Ruth. I'm sorry, Lutton smiled back, but we have to tighten up. In fact, we just started a new dance named after it. Now this is the music we tighten up to. Yep, you're still off key. Great, great. It's good. Rules and regulations must be enforced. Anyway, since this is your first offense, you won't get it too hard from the judge in the morning. Definitely smart to go with the morning judge. If she ends up with an afternoon judge, it could be Judge Joe Brown or Judge Mathis or the guy who looks like one of the property brothers. Like they're, they're twins. Oh, forget it. That's why you need ladylaw.com. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't come, Ruth persisted, opening her blue eyes wide. I'm going down to Lexington for the races, and I must be on my way by nine tomorrow. Listen, I only have a limited amount of time that I can break out of my ankle bracelet to get to the race so I can get to the money back that I need to pay Jimmy the nose with. And, oh, wait, I've said too much, haven't I? Uh, no, you've not said enough. Uh, perhaps you could say the rest with this pen over this paper. Oh, I see. Uh, it sounds like pretty uh, standard uh, material here. Let's right, see. I'll just send this to the judge so he can expedite your case. <laughs> Thank you, officer. Lawton shrugged his shoulders and looked at her quizzically. What about this? He queried, smoothing out the rumpled summons. This is as binding as the laws of the Medes and Persians, you know. 
the Medes and the Persians. That's Lawton, always showing off that classics degree. A Joe Medes was was the first fellow to be hanged in this here district. (laughs) By the Persians? By the Persians. Oh. They were the cat breeders. That we didn't, we never got their real names. <laughs> just called them the Persians. That's just why I came to you. Ruth smiled again. Don't tell me that a man like you loaded with all those brass buttons and things. Dang. A big, strong man can't do something with a scrap of old paper that will let me go on down to Kentucky. Oh, I can do something with a scrap of paper. I can make a hat or a brooch or a pterodactyl. <laughs> I think it's crazy that the she's sort of implying what a big, strong man he has to have heavy brass buttons. It's all very coded. Lawton watched the sunlight stream through the dust-smeared windows and bring out golden crinkles in the hair that shone in soft little puffs over her ears. He noted the cornflower blue of her hat matched the violet eyes. Nope, I don't think yeah. so, Lawton. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't quite get that either. And realized that the fresh pinkness of her cheeks was only outdone by the richness of her curving lips. He took in all this and listened as she went on. You see, Captain, it isn't as though it were an automobile or a boat race or anything ordinary like that. We're talking hovercraft here. Hover craft. And let me tell you, they flip over a lot. <laughs> a lot. And you never know when. It's great. This is a horse race. The famous Lexington Trots, you know. Ah, yes. The Lexington Trots. The fastest two minutes in squirts. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> uh, what we were all thinking, I guess. But still. Uh, and I'm from Kentucky. And well, you see how it is. I just have to go. She paused and pouted alluringly. You love a good horse now, don't you, Captain? Nay. I sure do, he laughed. I'm a Kentuckian myself, but I'm not Captain, he hastened to explain. Just Lieutenant. A bad Lieutenant, if you know what I mean. Port of call, your place. <laughs> Really? Is he changing to Nick Cage in the middle? Like, <laughs> oh, Wait a minute, only going to get better then. <laughs> How stupid of the force, she cried demurely. You ought to be a general at least, a man with your intelligence. Yes, a man with general intelligence. <laughs> they both laughed. General. But Ruth still watched with inward uneasiness as Lawton glanced every so often at the paper. She remembered what Foley had said about his being hard-boiled. She wasn't too concerned about the doves walking around the corner of his office, but the two solid gold pistols he wore made her a little nervous. Kentuckian horses seemed a safe topic, so she flew back to solid ground. When you see them pull on the bit and stretch out round the track, doesn't it just thrill you to death, she cried. Lawton grinned boyishly. And then when the bell rings and the cheering crowds, oh lord, he sighed, leaning back in his chair. This takes me back to my jockey days, 
In fact, if you'd like to close the door, I'd like to show you my jockey shorts. Oh, yes, they're very small. <laughs> Only the smallest. Yeah, but I... Mm. Wind resistance. Mm. And weight. <laughs> I tell you what to do, Ruth suddenly propounded. Why don't you go to the races yourself? Then you could easily forget that I was supposed to be here. Or you could just handcuff yourself to your chair for the next 18 hours or so. Whatever works better for you. No. He shook his head slowly. I'd like to. Lord, how I'd like to. You see, he confided, I came from Danville, so I know just how you feel. Like a southern belle? Hmm. I'm not sure he has a figure for a cotillion dress, and he definitely can't pull off that hat. What, a, a snapback? <laughs> Nobody can. This one's got the New York Red Bull on it, you know? Do you really? Ruth exclaimed in unfeigned delight. Then you know the Abbots and the Martindales, I suppose. My home was in Lexington. It was such a shame when their feud ended in that bloodbath. Did you know them before or after they were dead? Both. <laughs> For the love of Pete, Lawton ejaculated. Sure, I know them all. I'm Fred Lawton. Ruth thrust out a warm, impulsive hand. How heavenly, she squealed. I'm Ruth Chester, the Doan's cousin. You could rub my cousins on your back for gentle comfort and pain relief all day. Now, could you explain to me what it is about your cousins that specifically targets the back rather than just being a, a general pain reliever? Oh, well, it, it has to do with their uh, with their remarkable scientific advances. Because that I've they've heard had. that it's mostly just marketing because nothing oh, no. actually could specifically target my back. No, no, no. It uses special back molecules in order to, to really get in there and alleviate the pain. Chattering and laughing and comparing notes, they talked on, while Lawton felt deeper and deeper under the spell. Ah, uh, it wasn't the apple in the tree, but the pear on the ground. Suddenly Ruth asked, What's your verdict, officer? Well, I'll tell you, he answered deliberately. You're white and hot, and I don't see a problem here. Go on to your races. Heaven knows I envy you, and we'll postpone the case until you come back. But my very dear Mr. Lawton, Ruth wailed, you'd know I wouldn't have one minute's rest or peace or fun with that thing hanging over my head. Lay it on, Ruth. Now you, with all your persuasive influence, she looked him full in the face, can fix it so I don't have to come back here at all. Eyelash flutter, eyelash flutter, eyelash flutter. With sparkling eyes and beguiling lips, this daughter of Eve waited. Lawton grinned sheepishly and fell. And while he was on the floor, Ruth quickly reached into his desk and grabbed as many paper clips as her pockets could hold. Why would she do that? Paper clips from a police station? Come on, she can make a necklace out of them. So oh. It's just the thrill. It's the thrill, man. The thrill kicks, hunt. baby, kicks. I suppose we Kentucky men are eternally handicapped, he admitted. Our love for our bluegrass horses and women continually leads us astray. Lord knows it's never done me any good. I've got a trail of ex-girlfriends of both species as long as a Kentucky River. Is there a Kentucky River? There is a Kentucky River, and Lexington is actually on it. And did you know that ahead of time? <laughs> no! <laughs> I know nothing about Kentucky. Okay, great. It's, it's below Ohio. <laughs> 
No kidding. That's all I knew. <laughs> he tore the offending paper to shreds and dropped the scraps into the wastebasket. Along with the last remaining shreds of his integrity. No, I don't think he had much in that way. <laughs> you nice, nice thing, she smiled rapturously. I knew all along you were an officer and a gentleman. Just like that movie, The Chronicles of Riddick. <clears throat> I'll have to fix it somehow with Delaney, he declared. If we had more like him, though, we'd soon get rid of pests that break parking laws. And thus, the Great Delaney Cloning Project was born. Which is why we no longer have parking violations in the state of Kentucky. And also why all the men look the same. Finding a lot of new facts out about Kentucky. Check out Wikipedia. It's a rush, man. It's a rush. Wow. Hmm. Like me, she added, gaily exuberant. Yes, like you, he retorted. Oh, that's right. You totally deserve that ticket. Hey, hand me that tape over there while I pick up these pieces of paper. Thanks. Well, I think we should just, um, maybe if you could, uh, oh, I really got to do this again, huh? <laughs> and now I'll tell you such a funny thing that happened to me lately. I had parked my car too long in one place way downtown in front of a store and when i came out there was a hateful slip telling me to show up at court what do you suppose i did um uh, used another poor cop so probably hmm lawton shook his head i haven't the remotest idea he replied i went straight to a telephone and called up the police i told them i had left my car in front of the library and when i went to get it it was gone and I knew it had been stolen. Ruth, I, I have to applaud your efforts to avoid a $6 ticket. Um, I can't keep up with the news, Alan. Is this collusion? No, it's not collusion. There's no collusion. Oh, okay. There's no collusion. And if there was collusion, uh, she didn't mean to steal the car. And oh. if she stole the car, it was only to get a hat from uh, a parking space. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm convinced. I gave them the number and a full description. Then I went home. In less than an hour, they called me up and said the car had been found and was safe and sound, and the thief had left it downtown in the traffic officer. Delaney, I suppose, had carted the windshield. They were terribly sorry. I'd been inconvenienced, they said. And could I go at once and claim it? I could <laughs> and did. And let me tell you about that hobo I knifed down by the river. It all started at a late night cockfight. Oh, you know, that story's boring. Let me tell you about the suicide cult I started this. first. Lawton grinned. That's damn smart and clever. But don't try it again, for I'm on. And I'd hate to have to arrest you. She's definitely a witch, right? There's going to be a twist here. That's not the twist, I don't think, uh. but... Ruth's eyes fell sedately, but her lips still curved upward and her cheeks dimpled. Now, Mr. Lawton, to show you that I'm really not always in trouble, do come tonight to my house. And there's the payoff. I'm having a dance, and I'll not be happy unless you're there. Will you? In uniform, he laughed. Surely, brass buttons and all. I've always wanted to dance with a policeman. In the pale moonlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she confessed. I'll be there. Sure thing, he promised, bowing her out of the door. Triumphant and elated, she drove home. What a lark, she thought. Maybe I should up the ante. There's that convenience store down the street. Where'd I leave that 45? 
I think she needs a partner. Yeah. She needs a Thelma to her Louise. Sure. She needs somebody to be the fall guy. Somebody. <laughs> yeah. She will. She will fold on somebody too sweet. He was by far the best looking man of her acquaintance. And at dinner, she regaled her family and guests with the tale. The story lost nothing in its telling. Every detail was vividly presented to the shouting and appreciative audience. Woo! You totally stuck it to that guy who was just doing his job! Woo! No kidding, shouting? Can you imagine reading this story? Well, I guess you can. <laughs> audience, can you imagine shouting? I don't even know if they could imagine being appreciative, really. <laughs> I think that would be tough. Listen to this. Watch out for your policeman friend, her partner warned later as he guided her to the strains of the most popular foxtrot. We'll all be pinched if you don't handle him right. My word, there he is, Ruth gasped, half unbelieving, as the tall, blue-coated officer appeared in the doorway. Didn't think I'd do it, did you? Lawton jibed as Ruth, in a cloud of filmy blue tulle, met him with an outstretched hand. I can't believe you bought everything I was shoveling. I, I mean, uh, what a surprise, officer. <laughs> My pleasure to be shoveled on. <laughs> I was a bit staggered, she admitted as he swung her to the floor, but only delightedly so. Wholesome respect for the uniform, of course, Lawton teased. Ruth giggled. I never knew what fun a policeman could be. I've always felt a bit shy of them. Lawton hooted in derision. Well, you managed to tell in camouflage then. No one would ever suspect. Tall and straight, easy of manner, and a wonderful dancer, Lawton was exploited by Ruth as her latest find. Exploited by Ruth. The true story of Ruth Buzzy's cocaine empire. Wow, really? Well, she did have a high-strung attitude. She was but I... very high-strung and very awake at all times. Was awake at all times. Yeah, and she didn't work that much, so you know she had a lot of free time. His tight-fitting blue suit, brassy of buttons. Yep. Yeah, brassy. Let's reestablish that. Technically accurate here. Stood out among the conventional black clothes of the men and the frilly, fluffy nothings that made up their partner's lack of costume. Tight-fitting blue suit. Does he moonlight as a stripper? Wait, he does know how to dance. Maybe Ruth is on the 20s version of Punked. I just like frilly, fluffy nothings. <laughs> frilly, fluffy nothings. Yeah, that was the name of uh, my pet bunny when I was a little boy. <laughs> frilly, fluffy, frilly, fluffy nothings. nothings. He died. <laughs> Just well, like, how did you think it was going to end, Rob? <laughs> he went to the farm to live with the other rabbits? Yep, exactly. You must tell me all about the races, he reminded her at the end of the evening. I wish you could be there. We cheer ourselves hoarse on the winner. Cheer yourself hoarse. Oh, Ruth, you silver-tongued devil. You slay me. Now show me that tongue. What? Gross. <laughs> Hold on. What is this? <laughs> oh, that's three. You're off. Oh, no. You're going to read the rest of this thing by yourself? Oh, jeez. 
Uh, one more shot. Come on. Come on. You don't wish it one half as bad as I do, Lawton exclaimed feelingly. So Ruth Chester did not go to police court at nine in the morning. Instead, she was speeding south to her beloved bluegrass land. Speeding in the hopes of spinning another cop into her web of lies. Incidentally, between races and parties, she made it her business to find out all there was to know about the Lawtons, and especially Fred. Ruth knew well the first rule of successful cons, knowing your mark. What she discovered only served to settle the pleased, anticipatory smile on her red lips. And when she returned home, she telephoned him at once, asking him to dinner. Of course, it being 1921, she was immediately arrested for asking a man out. Um, no, she telephoned her maid to bring a card to leave at his office that he would return and ask her to dinner. They just, it's a shorthand that they use to keep these stories from being 25 pages long. Got it, got it. Checks out, your story checks out. He accepted with alacrity. He seems nice enough, Mrs. Chester agreed anxiously. And of course, Ruth, if he is one of the Danville Lawtons, he must be all right. But it is so irregular, she added, perplexed. Oh, let him come, Bill, Bruce's younger brother urged. He looks so kind of spiffy in his uniform. We've had soldiers and sailors and marines here, but never a cop before this. Oh, Billy, his mother cried, horrified. Well, bring him along. Her father agreed. He can't be any worse than some of the others. Yeah. What was the name of that last bum you brought around? Lindbergh? Never liked the cut of his jib. I don't think he'll go very far. So Lawton came. And came again. Finally, we've discovered the exact moment that Argosy turned into spicy stories. They're spicy? They're going right for pep. <laughs> he abruptly discovered that his duties took him up north on Boulevard and riding path astride his horse. And somewhere in his immediate vicinity, Ruth Chester, blonde and spirited and blue-eyed, not violent-eyed like we were told <laughs> earlier in the story, <laughs> cantered along, lithe and supple in her trib habit. The saddle was a little strange, but he had to admit he liked to feed her carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Her friends all laughed amusedly over Ruth Chester. It sounded like a sick Ewok. <laughs> they like carrots? Sure. Her friends all laughed amusedly over Ruth Chester and her policemen as the weeks went by, and they began to look for her to tire of this new suitor and to throw him over. But he still remained firmly in the running. See, Alan, like a horse? I just want to make sure you catch all the many, many horse references in this story. I think I'm managing to keep up. <laughs> All right, just making sure. Summer was on the wane. One morning after a breathless race along a country road, Lawton pulled his horse down to a walk and turned to the glowing girl beside him. Wait, so is she on a horse or just really a fast walker? Power walker, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. She likes to go to the mall in the mornings. And... Yeah, keeps her calves yeah. healthy. Yeah. Ruth, he announced quietly, this... It's my last day on the force. My friend? She exclaimed in surprise, with a quick glance into his face. Yes, Ruth, they finally found out about that whole torn-up ticket thing and drummed me out. 
Oh, also, I'll be in jail for about two years for abuse of power. Wait for me? Uh, I'm going to refer you back to your first joke in this story, Rob. What's the first joke? What? No. 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 Oh, yes, white privilege. (laughs) (laughs) Um... It was grave and determined, and yet there was a wistful something about his clear, keen eyes that made her turn her head away. Yes, he repeated. You didn't for one minute suppose I'd be a policeman all my life, did you? Of course not. It's not like you're Irish or something. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, but you're such a dear and you're blue and brass, she wailed. Then it's the lure of the uniform, he said wryly. I had hoped, oh yes, I had hoped and prayed, Ruth, that it might be me you liked, not this fool truck. And he looked bitterly off into the distance. Oh man, my office goes crazy when the fool truck shows up outside at lunchtime. The food is terrible, but you feel so stuffed afterwards. Yeah, huh? I don't like how you avoided specifying what type of food the full truck serves, Rob. (laughs) See, Alan, that's the thing. You don't know what kind of food the full truck serves because every food that the full truck serves looks like a different food. So you might get a hamburger and you're like, mmm, delicious hamburger, and you bite it and it's fish. I deeply regret calling you out uh, Mm -hmm. on what type of food it serves Mm -hmm. because that... Yep, you order that piece of chocolate cake, it's poop. We should have just let it die. <laughs> let it die like my bunny. <laughs> oh, poor fluffy, nuffy muffin. <laughs> then Ruth asked soberly, What are you going to do, Fred? I'm leaving here next week, he announced. Good heavens, she ejaculated weakly. For where? The Philippines, he answered, watching her face. Hmm, I don't know them. Are they related to the Phillips family in Durham? Uh, they are between the Medes and oh. the Persians. Oh, I, this sounds familiar. Then he reached over and took her hand while the horses walked slowly on down the lane. Two horses, got it. Hey, I'm glad they cleared that up. Yeah, and... they didn't. <laughs> you see, Ruth... I gave up a captaincy in the army after I came back from France, and until I knew what I really wanted to do, I took this job. It was only a makeshift. I got it through a pull. Once again, privilege at work. Ain't it America? Land of the free. Uh, I've never felt so confident in our ability to totally fool the YouTube content ID system. <laughs> it's never going to catch my amazing singing. You're right. That's that's the knockoff royalty-free version. Yep. <laughs> and I would have got off long before if you hadn't come on the scene. <laughs> oh, story. Thank God you did. He breathed fervently, crushing her fingers tight in his. Ruth looked straight ahead, while Lawton, with his eyes fixed on each seductive curve of her cheek, continued his plea in a soft whisper. Now, I've just had it offered to me again, this captain's commission in the army, and I've accepted. 
I hate to go out all alone, all the way to the Philippines. Won't you be game and go as my running mate? We probably won't win because I'm sure Warren G. Harding will be in office for a long, long time. <laughs> well, that is what our audience likes. <laughs> Yeah, Presidential just... trivia humor. Yeah, exactly. He slid his left arm around her shoulders and turned her head back against his chest while he looked with pleading, begging eyes into hers. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me try and figure out the positioning of this. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're on horses next to each other. He has his left arm around her. Her head is against his chest, and he's looking into her eyes. Okay, I got it. His eyes are in his neck. Everything checks out. Uh, I think you're forgetting he's a centaur. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> See, again, it didn't come up very early in the story. They waited till the end. What a twist. <laughs> do you look as handsome and khaki as you do in blue? That's what I want to know, she asked, provokingly alluring. Oh, you teasing baby, he cried in delirious joy. Far more so. Khaki really brings out my eyes. And you should see my butt and jod purse. <laughs> Just look at it. Now that's the 70s porno. My butt and jod purse. <laughs> I see the poster now. He lifted her from her saddle and seated her before him while the horses, unnoticed, continued their grazing by the side of the grassy road. Nay, grazing in the grass is a gas, baby. Can you dig it? Prefer the instrumental, I guess, <laughs> to the one where the, the horses sing. I like the horses' version. It's like the dogs at Christmas. No, the instrumental has cowbell. <laughs> Utterly oblivious of passing time, together they planned and built for the future the same rosy dreams and schemes of the ages. Our first order of business is to produce strong children, develop irrigation technology, and form a deep tribal divide with our neighbors. That should do it. <laughs> Cradle of civilization right there. Suddenly Ruth laughed. Either way, I get a uniform. Sounds like Ruth needs to meet a man less than she needs to be introduced to cosplay. Lawton smiled down into the face so close to his. I really believe you're so daffy over that outfit you'd marry a bellboy. I surely would if you had on his buttons, she admitted, rubbing her cheek softly on the blue encircling arm as she slowly reached into his pocket to steal his wallet. I wish. Wow, wouldn't <laughs> that be fun? <laughs> the end. Well, they, they took a... I'm not going to say a strong female lead, but at least one that uh, had a backstory. <laughs> Criminal backstory. I, there was an alternate history where she was some kind of gun mall. Oh, that, absolutely. That was just like gunning down fools. She's flexible in her morality. What do you think the moral of this story was, Ron? Oh, that's easy. There is no justice, Alan. 
As long as you've got some long eyelashes and are willing to settle down with someone for 30 or 40 years, you're always going to get away with it. It's just typical. I think the moral is that all bunnies go to heaven, (laughs) which must be a big disappointment for the people that end up in hell. Oh, man, that rabbit got to heaven. Are you kidding me? Frilly Fluffy Nothings got in? <laughs> oh, Frilly. Well, you know. Listen, I know I did some bad things. I had policemen tear up my tickets and... All of them got in? We're just about wrapped up for this week. So we're going to ask you to tune in next week. We'll have another interrupted... Brass buttons. Those funky buttons. Brass buttons. Mutton. Those funky buttons. I like the part where you said mutton. <laughs> Tail. Take a tip, take a tip, take a tip from me.